Merrill Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Merrill Memo. Well folks, is Dubbo going to get its own Monopoly board? The big question will be answered here today. What's also happening with Dubbo's involvement in the Renewable Energy Zone? And what can Dubbo Regional Council do to assist the homeless in our community? Hello there, Matt. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm really good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for coming along again and chatting to me and really making sure we get lots of information out to our community about what's Absolutely. happening in the council. That's always our goal, isn't it? You know, we sit here each week, we sit opposite each other in this lovely little room to discuss these big issues. And of course, there are some big issues out there. And then a lot of stuff, the hope thing, the fact that the people in our community, I suppose, really appreciate the fact that you take the time as well each week to go through this stuff, because there's a lot of good stuff we go through each week, isn't there? Oh, absolutely right. And it's amazing how much stuff happens in an average week of council. Yes. Council's obviously very involved in the community. And it's not just me. We've got 500 staff, we've mm. got 10 councils. There are lots of things happening, but if I can give a bit of a glimpse with your help, obviously, to people to let them know what's happening there, and that's one of the things that I certainly talked about when I became mayor was Mm. I think communication is really important, making sure I communicate in a variety of ways, and this is just one of those methods of communication, and if people take the time to listen to it, which they do, and they pick up things from it, and I regularly get asked questions about things that we talk about, media sometimes asks me about things that we talk about, so it's good to see people are listening to it, and I appreciate your time to come along. Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure, it really is. Now, Matt, I have to get started with this, because uh, I must admit, I saw this during the week, and I thought, well, it's not a bad idea, to be honest, but let's jump into it. The whole idea of the DNA DNA database to comment combat littering. Matt, what is going on here, buddy? Well, I will apologise to anyone that got sucked in by this, but (laughs) I suppose that's the idea, isn't it? When you've got April Fool's Day joke, and I hate calling it April Fool's Day joke because you're not a fool when you fall for one. It's just a bit of fun that you have with it. And I probably a week or so before 1st of April each year, I think, oh, what would be something that might be interesting to discuss in the community and maybe yeah. stir up some topic of conversation. Oh, it stirred up some... <laughs> <laughs> the ants' nest was well and truly prodded, I suggest. And I had a few different ideas about what I might actually look at, and I won't reveal them because maybe I'll use some in future years. <laughs> but this one was brought about by some feedback we received from Clean Up Australia Day. So okay, we had lots right. of great volunteers yes. in our community in Dubbo and Wellington who went out and participated in Clean Up Australia mm. Day, cleaned up lots of rubbish. Mm. And both of the groups that I spoke to after that were a bit disappointed about how much rubbish they found. Mm. And it's hard for council to do too much about that because, let's face it, we're not out there dropping no. rubbish. No, that's right. We can clean up rubbish as much as possible, but there's so much work that we'd have to do and the expense of that. Yeah. And really it's one of those things that it'd be just nice if people didn't drop rubbish. I cannot remember mm. ever in my life just dropping a bit just of rubbish. Just simply for the sake of dropping it, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, my I'm parents always yeah. said we're in the car, you, you'd eat something in the car and whatever wrapper that was, you'd keep it in the car until you got somewhere. Mm. I'm happy to throw a apple core or a banana skin out the window I'm driving along because I'm figuring that some animal's going to eat yeah. there or it's going to decompose. Yeah. But, but a, a McDonald's rapper, packet or, oh, you know, all that sort of stuff. I don't it, get it. Does. it. Yeah. I, I'm fully with you. So I thought, we can't do anything about that. But then yeah. I thought, well, maybe we can. Maybe we can. <laughs> all we have to do is have the DNA yes. of all our residents on a database. And then when we pick up rubbish, Clean Up Australia or our rangers, for example, pick up a bit of rubbish, we do a quick DNA test yeah, on that. Yeah. And then we say, oh, this DNA looks like it's Mark matching. Barnes's. That's Again. right. It's matching Mark <laughs> Barnes. So then we come and find you and then yes. that might stop you. Now, 
Obviously, there are a few issues here. There's some privacy issues around this. Having all that DNA stored on a yeah. database for counsellors, that really counsel's job to do that. It could also be a way that if I don't like someone, I go mm. and pick up a paper cup they might have used and then go and throw yeah. it on the ground. And next thing you know, they've been fined because their DNA is on that. All sorts of issues with it. But it was just one of those fun You know things. what, mate? I loved it. <laughs> I was actually thinking of the fact, what a great idea. <laughs> 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 you had me suck it in, I'm telling you. <laughs> My wife, however, she was a different story. She said, what did you cut do this? And I said, well, actually, I like it. <laughs> well, I took a photo. I got a little piece of paper and just printed on it, DNA collection toolkit, yes. and took a photo in front of a bit of rubbish there. And people really thought that was pretty serious, that we had this collection oh. toolkit. We're going to send it out to people <laughs> in yes. your rates notice, that sort of thing. But I normally give a few little hints, for example, it was going to start the collection process on the 1st of April, which right, is a slight right. hint. Yes, it was yes, going to take 104 days to be collected, so 104 in terms of the, the time oh, frame. So that's that. very cryptic. I never would have got that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's things like that. But one of the questions, there's a slightly more serious question from mm. that, is some people said to me, what did you waste your time on that for? Go and fix the potholes and the roads. Or a mayor shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. A mayor should be serious all the mm. time. And look, I take that feedback on board. But I still think it's okay. They're the same people who are boohooing Santa Claus right now, I'm telling you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I, I still think it's okay for an elected representative to have a personality, oh, to have absolutely. a sense of humour. And sometimes some people might get annoyed. I remember there was one lady who was ropeable with me for a previous April Fool's Day joke I did, which was going to be a tollway on the LH4 bridge. I was still waiting for that to happen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, well, we need, we're going <laughs> to build a new bridge. Out of the money yeah, we get from go, that, we're going right, to build a new yeah, bridge. Yeah. And she rang me very angry about this really? concept wow. of that. And when I explained to her that it was just a little joke for the 1st of April, she was even angrier. <laughs> what, she could suck it in? <laughs> well, maybe a bit of that and maybe a bit of the fact that I was wasting everyone's time oh, by cool. going out okay. there with an April Fool's Day joke. Yeah. So, look, I take that feedback on board, but I still think it's okay. And if I had my time over again, I'd still yeah. do the same thing again oh. because it is surely a bit of fun. It's meant to be a bit of fun. and. Yep. Let's be a bit lighthearted. Everything doesn't have to be The world is already far too serious. I love the fact you're taking a lighthearted approach. Oh, well done, Thank mate. you. Thank you. <laughs> you dig to get me suck it in, though. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of this. Dubbo Monopoly Board. Is this going to be a reality? Because I'm telling you what, I'll be the first one there to buy it if it is. I've already got my uh, family lined up for a Christmas. I think this would be a terrific idea. I've got to put it out there straight away on this one. As soon as I saw this on the board there, I thought, hello, this sounds like a great idea. So it, is Dubbo going to get us own Monopoly board? Is this potentially an option for, uh, for Christmas under the Christmas tree this year? Absolutely, definitely, I don't know. <laughs> a bit of it started from a conference that I was at last year where, right. as you are at some conferences, there's companies there trying to sell your products. Yes. And there was a company that had a range of different board games that they were licensed to be allow allowed to, you have a customised version of that particular board game. And one of those, mm. Monopoly, very well-known game. Yep. And I actually took a photo of that and put it up on social media at the time and said, oh, what do we think of a double Monopoly board? Now, mm. that was fairly early into our new term of council and there were a lot of things that we had to do. And some people gave a bit of feedback along those lines as a more important stuff to do, fix the potholes, whatever it might have been at the time. Of course. But I got contacted by a gentleman mm. who has been very keen. He's seen other places with their own monopoly boards because there, okay. yeah, there are other towns and cities that have done them. Yes. And he's been pretty keen to do it for a long time. And his brother-in-law has done one down in Sydney as a fundraiser with a Rotary Club for their particular community. Oh, okay. And so he's actually been thinking about this, and he said, look, I'm getting a bit older now. It's pretty hard for me to go and organise it all, mm. but I'd love to do it. If I can help in some way, shape, or form, 
how about I bring up my brother-in-law to meet you and explain how he went through the process. So okay. this week I had him come along. So a few of them came along, the brother, his brother-in-law and his wife and uh, his daughter came along. Oh, and so well, we talked about it. Quite family affair. It yeah. was. Yeah. And so there's, this is the big issue, the big question mark. There are two different models in the way you could do it. Now, what they talked about doing it, they were focused from a rotary perspective to raise money. Okay. So they went out and sold squares on the Monopoly board to various businesses. Anyone that wanted to buy a square. So pay, like uh, instead of a Pall Mall on sitting on the red box, you'd have one of the local businesses in town. Exactly right. Okay. And if you're happy to pay, I'm not sure what it was, five grand, eight grand, ten grand, you might pay a bit more for the blue squares rather right, than yeah. the brown squares, yeah. for example. Yes. But a whole range of different options. Okay. But you can, from what he told me, you can pretty easily sell most of the board, mm. that raises a fair bit of money. Mm. You still have to pay for it to be printed and produced. So mm. there's, a, again, a local company that is licensed to do that. And then you sell it. So you put it into the visitor's information centre. You might put it in the Old Devo Jail, that type of thing. Mm. Or in their case, the Rotary Club, they sold them directly from the Rotary Club as well. Mm. They raise significant funds from it, $30,000, $40,000 they okay. raise from doing Monopoly board. Yep. And so that's one model. Now, I've also talked to a few other mayors that have done a slightly different model where they said, we wanted to use it as a promotion tool mm. for our city. So we didn't want to go That's and just how have... That's I probably would have thought about in my head, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. They didn't want to have a range of businesses that just paid money to be on there because that may not be mm. totally representative of the community. Yep. And you might have some great tourist attractions to say, well, we can't afford yeah. to pay that or we don't have the budget to pay for that. So some other councils have just spent the money themselves yep. and they've printed the Monopoly board and with, again, a range of things that are relevant to that mm. community. Well, you can see Dubbo, Western Plains Zoo, Old Dubbo Jail, Western Plains Cultural Centre. The list is quite long, isn't it? Oh, you'd find very easily yeah. enough things to put on there. Yeah. Wellington Cave, you can yeah. take some of those assets out of Wellington as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I love the Old Dubbo Jail because, obviously, you, you go straight to jail. <laughs> that's right. Have, that's Old Dubbo Jail. One, that's yeah. right, yeah. And you get to customise the chance cards and the community chairs, yeah. so you'd link some things up on that. So yeah. a whole range of different things there. And so... Some council areas have just said, we'll pay the money, we'll get it printed, and then we'll recoup our money over a couple of years selling mm. it through our visit information mm. centre and mm. various outlets. So the idea there that, again, you might buy it, play it with friends, you mm. might use it as a present. It's like someone. a marketing tool almost. A marketing tool, that's right. Mm. Now, again, I posted a picture on social media and said, here's a few people that just came along and met with me about this concept. What are your thoughts about it? And this is over a year, yeah. or maybe about a year since I posted last time, okay. and the response I got was, fix the potholes. But <laughs> I don't think it's one of those things, it doesn't have to be exclusive. Yeah. If you're fixing potholes, it's not the only thing you yeah. have to be able to do. Oh, absolutely. That doesn't mean you stop treating our sewage water, or it doesn't mean you stop producing water, or you stop having airlines use our airport, for example. Yeah. You can do those things simultaneously. So at the moment, I'll talk to councils about it. Again, councils are saying, is this the most important thing for us to do at the moment? Maybe it's not. But it might be something that maybe this particular gentleman, in conjunction with some younger people, yeah. might say, we'll run with a project. Maybe you sell a few squares off to pay for it, and then the rest of the squares are community assets. Mm. A whole range of different mm. options there. Yeah. I like the idea. It's not my number one priority, I must admit. There are some other priorities that we've oh, got I'm at sure the moment. there are. But I, you know what I do love, though? I love the fact it's a little bit quirky. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's one of those things that becomes a talking point. Um, and again, what what price do you put on sitting around with a group of people from other towns and that, where they're sitting around and you're playing Dubbo Monopoly and, and having fun and talking about Dubbo and in that sense? And I, I don't think there's there's something I really love about this idea at, at so many levels. So look, I, I hope from where I'm sitting right now is that the guys down in council do turn around and take it reasonably seriously and say this is an idea, an option that we could do. 
as you say, it's not always going to be about the potholes. There's a lot of good fun things out there we can be doing and promoting our community in the same presence. Yeah, we'll see how we go with it. So mm. keep an eye on this space. I'll keep, I'll keep the community informed as we go forward. I'm not rushing into it. Again, there's lots of things to focus on, but it might be something that might yeah. happen. We'll just keep getting a bit of community feedback around Absolutely. it. You know, we've talked about uh, getting council involved with the kids, and, and I do love this idea how um, looks like the, the current councillors have decided the fact, and you yourself, Matt, have decided it's a good idea to bring the kids back into the council chambers to, to show them how local government works. You know, I'm a firm believer in the fact that it takes the community to raise a child. And I think from that perspective, whatever we can do uh, from a Dubbo Regional Council operation to do that, I think it's terrific. So it looks like during the week, um, you've had the opportunity to bring in a group of school kids again. I remember when I was a kid doing this, and I think it's fabulous it's back again. Year five kids in there, the council chambers, how'd it all go? You can remember when you were a kid, can I you? know, it's just, mate. <laughs> I'm telling you now, the great cells are really starting to operate over the good cells, but I'm still remembering back a little it bit there. It must have been a significant experience for you. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> Very well, special. Well, it is interesting <laughs> because in my last time as mayor with Dubbo City Council, yes. it was one thing that I actually went along with the previous mayor, with Alan Smith, a couple of occasions when they had some of the kids come through, some of the school groups come yes, through, yes. more or less just to get a feel for it. And sometimes I was deputy mayor at some stages there, so he said it might be good to have the deputy mayor come along as well and I from my memory I thought we actually did year four kids right, because yes. they were studying local government at the time yep. and for some reason it stopped after the amalgamation new councils came along new councillors came along and it, it stopped so mm. it was one of the things that I asked towards the end of last year I said when do we have the kids come through and a couple of the staff said what do you mean the kids come through I said oh it used to be this thing and so we went through the process so I said okay well beginning of next year as in this year mm. said send out a letter to the schools and say the offers there if you want to bring your kids through when they're studying local government then bring them through now it turns out either my memory's failing me that it was year four or the curriculum's changed in the meantime but at stage three so basically years five and six at primary school yep. that's when they study the three levels of government so it was year five kids that came along so i've had mm. one school respond straight away and said yep as Fantastic. soon as we, we come we want to be yep. there for another school that's coming along in term two and again the offer is open to any school that wants to come along but what I really enjoy is you go through and just talk to them. They've just studied local government, so they've got a bit of an idea about a yes. few different things. But trying to put some practical levels on it, finding out what is funded by local government. So you ask a few mm. questions. Mm. What are hospitals? Who are they funded by? Yep. What about the Medicare system? What about income tax? Just yes. a few things. And then I always love the roads question because roads, someone will say local government, I'll say wrong. Someone will say state government, I'll say wrong. Someone will say federal government, I'll say wrong. And they're confused. Well, what else is there? I said, yeah. well, roads are one of those tricky ones because mm. different roads are funded by different oh, me, governments. Sir, I, I, I know the answer to this one, by the way, because you told me this one. <laughs> <laughs> Up until then, I'd be one of those kids in the front row going, well, what do you mean? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. it's an interesting one. But then what I love to do is I like to show them the raw democracy of local government. Mm. So I get them to pick a topic. And this particular topic the kids chose last week was related to their school canteen. Mm. So I say, what's something that's happening at school at the moment where there's a bit of discussion you kind of want a bit of controversy, but I don't yes, yes. want to really kind of generate Poor that. Poor teachers sitting in the background kids. shaking their heads going, don't go there, <laughs> don't right. go there. <laughs> so I, I say pick a topic that's being discussed at school at the moment. It's something that you think is interesting. Mm. And then we create 
a mock council meeting. So we get some councillors oh, cool. around the table. Yeah, we yeah, get yeah. a mayor and a CEO and a couple yeah. of staff members and some kids that stay in the public gallery. Yep. And so we get them to go through a debate. So someone moves a motion, someone oh, seconds wonderful. it. Yeah, they yeah. get up and they talk about it and they're putting their points forward. And then at the end of it all, we get them to have a vote on it. So it's just like democracy. So yeah. I, I go through and I say everything that you see that happens at council, every outcome for council, every decision of council, that's mm. the process we go through. Now, it doesn't always happen with that length of debate, obviously, mm. but it's just really good for them to see that raw democracy. And I do mm. love the democratic process where at the end of all the discussion, the end of all the debate, people all have their say, then you put your hand up. It's just like back at oh, school. That's absolutely. That's Who's right. voting yeah, in yeah. favour of this? You put your hand up. Who's voting against it? You put your hand up. Yeah. That's the process. So I think they really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to some of these other groups coming back through again and obviously keeping it going again forevermore mm. because I think mm. it is a really important part of that learning process. Oh, well done. Now, Matt, I was uh, watching there bit of news during the week and I saw the fact that uh, 2025 there's another two uh, coal plants um, are going to be shut here in New South Wales. We've talked about this on many occasions, the fact that we are right smack bam, right here where we are in Dubbo, in the middle of the renewable energy zone. And of course, as part of that, we refer to as the Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone. Yeah, good work. Oh, see, there you go. Hang on, I'm learning. And so within all this sort of space here, this we, we've talked about, of course, what's happening with the wind farms, what's happening with the solar plants and all of this around this area. So now this group, the the this area group that you meet regularly with, you met again during the week. So how are all the discussions going right now in regards to this uh, you know, are we moving closer to it? Because I know last week we talked about how many people are going to be coming in here. Mm. Can you just give the listeners a bit of an idea, I suppose, first of all, what the discussions were about at the meeting during the week, but also just a bit of a general idea as to what's a bit of a timeline and what are they expecting to see starting to pop up around this place? We actually had two meetings during the week and we do meet regularly. So in the Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone. Yes, there it is. We've got three council areas, Dubbo Regional Council, yes. Midwestern Regional Council and Warren Bungle Shire Council. So Mudgee, Coonabarabin and Dubbo okay. and probably more Wellington part of Dubbo than the Dubbo part. And those, the, the various wind turbines, solar farms, batteries, etc., that are being built there, mm. the proponents that are building those, they don't really care about the boundary of each of those council areas. So the three council areas, it's very important for the three of us to work together. So we do meet regularly, just the three of us, mm. to discuss things going forward, what items are happening, what things we should be aware of. And we want to make sure we're very open and transparent with each other because that gives us a much stronger base, we all mm. believe. But two meetings we had during the week were quite interesting. One was with a company called Realliance. Now, Realliance started down in Victoria working with some of the wind farms down there and just trying to make sure they had community consultation processes working correctly with some of the council areas that were there. And it was all very so new. So are they a wind farm operating group? Is this what they No, are? they're no. just really a consultation group. They're funded okay. by philanthropic donations and some by industry. So more than 50% of their money comes from philanthropic donations. Mm. Uh, maybe 30 or 40% might come from some industry players and then they might get some other money from just little projects they might do. Mm. But one of the discussions we had, which we met with Realliance, was really just to try and work out where they fit in. The three councils... We're talking about the fact that we do consultation processes now. Mm. Where does Realliance fit in in that? Sometimes industry might ask Realliance to come along and do some things. So one of the things that I think we'll find as we go forward is that you'll get some people who will pop up out of the woodwork. Some will be well-meaning. Mm. Some will be seeing some dollars on the table and mm. they might want to try and get a hold yeah, of some yeah. of those dollars. Yep. We've got to be very conscious of all of that as we go forward to make sure that 
ultimately we're delivering the best outcome for the residents in our three communities. Mm. And if that involves other companies coming along that can help us, great. If we think some companies coming along are really just trying to feather their own nest, then we mm. need to make sure that that's not really the focus for our discussion. Mm. So that was a, an interesting discussion. And so are they like a go-between group sort of thing between the operators and the council? Is that how they work? Or? They could be. And I think when they first started, there was absolutely a desperate need for their services. Yeah. And one of the comments that I did make in that particular video conference was that Maybe as time's gone on, those services aren't needed as much and mm. maybe there's other services they could offer now or maybe they're not relevant anymore. Yeah. I don't know the answer to those things, yeah. but the most important thing in my opinion is you have those discussions. It didn't cost us much to have a discussion. We talked about things for less than an hour, but we got a bit of a footing and mm. understanding where things are at and then we'll keep going forward and talking to them and it may be at some point we say, wow, your services are essential to make mm. it better for everyone or thanks very much, it's been lovely talking to you, but I don't think we need your services there. Yep. And again, are we paying for them? Are industry paying for them? Where does your, you need some income to pay your staff, obviously, where does that income come from? So mm. all those things there. But the other meeting we had, and this is a really important part of it, is Energy Co. Right. Are building the transmission lines. Okay. So they've got to get... This the, is the infrastructure, isn't it, really? That's getting the power yeah. from here back to effectively the coast where most of the population is. Yep. And so Energy Co. has been tasked with that job by the government. So it's effectively a government business. Right. And that job is to make sure, firstly, that you build the transmission lines. Yeah. Then make sure that the various proponents for the energy producers can tap into those energy lines. So mm. it's no good having a fantastic wind farm, yep. having 99 wind turbines producing a whole range of power. Not, can't send it anywhere. That's right. And each <laughs> right, wind turbine, okay. they're getting bigger and bigger. Mm. It used to be 3,000 homes that one wind turbine would power. It's getting more than that now. Some are up to 4,000 or even 5,000 wow. homes. So that's, when you've got a farm which is... That's just one wind turbine. One wind turbine. So when Goodness you've got... Me. We've already got one farm down in the Bedanga at the moment that's got about 30-odd, 33, I think it is, really? wind turbines. Now, they're smaller ones, so they're probably yeah. only 3,000 homes each, but, hmm. well, there's 100,000 homes. Right. Yeah, we yeah. don't have that many around Bedangra, so you've got to get yeah. the power out somewhere. And there's another wind farm that's basically had all the approvals and they're going through doing the roads at the moment to start the construction process. Mm. That's 99, let's call it 100, 100 wind turbines there, and right. they're larger. Yep. So, again, that's a lot of homes. Those homes don't exist out here. So, Energy mm. Co., will play an incredibly important part. Mm. They'll also take a little bit of money from all those producers that are sending electricity on those lines to say, you're using our transmission lines, we're going to charge you a little bit. Some of that money eventually gets back down to communities mm. in this area, mm. to mm. the residents, to various groups, obviously via council in that yeah. process. So another meeting we had was with Energy Co., which we do meet with regular again, and the Department of Planning, and just making sure that everyone's on the same page. But the thing is, most people don't realise how quickly some of these things are going to happen. And when you mm. talk about coal mining being shut yes, down in 2025... Yeah, yeah, it's got to happen very fast, I suggest. Much faster than anyone thought, yep. much faster really than the planning probably is in place for. Right. So some of these projects have already got to really get their skates on and get happening pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Some of the ones that are already there, so there are solar farms there, Light Source BP's got a 200 megawatt solar farm that started a 400 megawatt solar farm construction. There's another 800 megawatt solar farm that they're going to plan or, or right. in, in planning now. Some of these are already there. Mm. They're not technically part of the renewable energy zone. Oh, They're okay. in the area that exists, but the renewable energy zone mm. refers specifically to the transmission lines that we built for these various new providers to plug into. So some of these exist already. There's a yep. substation there. There's some transmission lines there. Yep. So they're already using it. So it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Yep. We, as a council and as a community, want to make sure that our community 
benefits mm. out of what's happening there. It's all wonderful that we might be producing, uh, by the time it's finished, probably 30 or 40% of the homes in this state will be powered by our renewable energy zone. Is that right, just from here alone? Uh, here alone. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I think the community deserves to get some sort of kickback on this. Yeah, 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 and kickbacks probably. Yeah, sorry, that's probably one of those words. You know. Some sort of compensation. Thank you. That's a much better way of the, describing the, the financial the, uh, return. That's on right. This. For yes, the fact yes. that they're a very important part of it. So that's our job to really make sure that okay. the benefits flow through to the local community. And that can be employment. That mm. can be community benefit funds. A whole range of different things there, yeah. helping with the accommodation problem that we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, so absolutely. a whole range of things there. But these meetings, even though at the moment I feel. A little bit frustrated sometimes. I just want stuff to happen. Can't yeah, we just start yeah. tomorrow? What we'll see is we'll be we'll have lots of meetings, we'll be lots of planning, and then suddenly it'll just start happening, and we'll mm. go, "Wow, didn't that happen mm. quickly?" We'll forget about the years of the planning, the years of the meetings, yes. the discussions, all the rest yeah. of it. It will happen quickly when it starts because it will have to happen quickly. But it well, is exciting. Well, see, so so I suppose right now, uh, from the point of view of the infrastructure put into place. Uh, it, uh, say, look, two years away, it has to be put into place. Um, is it going to be done faster than that from the point of view of putting the, the power lines in and these type of things and, and moving through from here to the coast? Is that is, is that going to be done within the two years? Well, one of the interesting things is I do often ask for timelines. They get a bit frustrated with me in some yeah, of these meetings yeah. because I say, what's the latest timeline? Where, where are you going? Yeah. And it does seem to change each meeting. Okay. And sometimes it goes forward, sometimes it goes back. So I'm reluctant to say a timeline because it's not our project, yeah. but certainly Energy Co's got all the information publicly available and okay. there are some of those proponents that have got their information publicly available, but it'll happen within years, not decades. Yeah. It has to happen within years, not decades. Remember, there are mm. other renewable energy zones in the state. Okay. The Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone is not the largest, but it's the most advanced. So right. this one is further advanced than any other res at the moment, and certainly there'll be things happening in our res much quicker than other ones, but when in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, when we look around the state, there'll be some of the other reses that may well be bigger than this mm. res, mm. but this one is certainly more advanced, and other reses are looking at how we're doing things, so we're really trying to get mm. it absolutely right from our perspective yeah. and from the perspective of our residents. Sounds incredibly exciting, to be honest. Uh, actually, this is an interesting little one, I suggest, because up until I, I saw this on, on our discussion here today, I never sort of thought too much about this, but just always thinking the fact that the library here in town, the Dubbo Regional Library, is a library that is, it's a resource facility, a hub, that sort of sits there and sort of been part of our, you know, tradition, part of our culture, part of what we do here is, uh, over the years, they've gone to the library. And then I thought to myself, when was the last time I actually went to the library? <laughs> and it was a long time ago, to be frank. Um, and it was probably not necessary to borrow a book, but to taking the kids there and they had I think during a, one of the holiday breaks and they had some activities going on there and it was fabulous it was great but I suppose in the modern world is, is the library still as relevant as it was when I was a kid growing up when you were a kid when my own kids were growing up the world is definitely changing we're moving online so I suppose it is a fair question to ask in regards to what is the role of the Dubbo Regional Library today and it looks as though it's up for review. So are we looking, is, there, is it going to be closed or what's what's happening? <laughs> I'll go straight to the question. You're, you're a brave man. I'll throw straight out there. Is this the end the of the library? library? <laughs> Put it out there, folks. Well, one of the things that's really important in business, in government, mm. in our personal lives is to review what you're doing, to make sure that you don't just keep doing the same old thing you kept doing yesterday because it worked yesterday, so it might as well work tomorrow. Yeah. And libraries are a classic, exactly as you said. I remember my early time on council, we had Macquarie Regional Library. We still have Macquarie Regional Library now. Mm. And so that the idea of that is it's bigger than just 
Dubbo. Mm. It used when I first got on council, it incorporated Dubbo, Wellington, Narromine, and Coonabarabran or Warrenbungle Shire Council. Mm. Obviously, Dubbo and Wellington are one now, but mm. so you've got those three different council areas now. Mm. And the idea of that is to try and share some of the services, share the back end, even share some of the book supply. Mm. And the big thing back when I first got on council, I sat on this committee on the Macquarie Regional Library Committee. And the big thing every year was how much money can we get for our books? We need more money for books because right, we need yes. to be able to have those new books and books turning over. Yes. And so it was a big thing. And I remember reading one of the stats in one of those committee meetings and it talked about the fact that if you borrowed a book from the library and you then didn't borrow something else, didn't use the library services for two years, you went into a limbo status. So you, right. you didn't stop becoming a member, but if you came back in after that two-year time frame, you had to be reactivated. Right. And we had, on our books at the time, over 50% usage by our adult community in Dubbo using our library services. And I went, wow, wow. there's not many facilities at council yeah, yeah, that's that huge. over 50% yeah, yeah. of our residents using it. Wow, what a fantastic So how many facility. years ago was this again? Sorry. Yeah, we're going back nine – actually, it's a nine-year anniversary this okay, week um, right. for when I was first elected to council. I yep. actually – a few off topic here slightly, but there were six councillors at the time. Congratulations, was, by the way. Thank Very you. Good. It was Peter Bartley, Kim Williams, Bobby Thompson, who died while we were on council, right. uh, Rod Towney, and Paul Loxley and myself yes. Oh, yes, yes. were the six new councillors and the six existing councillors that were still there. Yep. So it was Some great names broom there. going yeah, through yeah. councillors, I think, yeah. was how the newspaper reported at the time. Six new councillors, yeah. half the council replaced. <laughs> so that was just this week was the 19th anniversary of those mm. six people being elected to council for the first mm. time. So this is way back in 2004 mm. where the library was really well utilised by people borrowing books. Mm. And that's mm. fantastic. Think about 2004, we didn't have iPhones. No, no. We didn't have smartphones. We might have had a BlackBerry, but you couldn't yeah. really do much in reading on there. Yep. Kindles, yeah, mm. a little bit-ish, but people weren't really using that. Yep. Yep. So that was a big part of it. Now, you come to mm. today, Fast 19 to today. years later, Here we are. Yes. and you don't see people going in and borrowing books in the library. So no. part of this review is... Is the library needed? Do we just mm. shut down the libraries? We've got some valuable real estate there. Mm. That sounds like we could use that for something else. Again, before we have staff going, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. That's certainly not By the, the way, Matt, that was me claiming closing down. That was not Matt. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I'll clarify that for anyone out there. There's certainly no intention from my perspective or councillors, as far as I know, to close any libraries down. Mm. But what you've got to do is look at the services they offer. So now people go in and use computers. If they don't have a computer mm. at home or they need to do a CV up, you've got the ability to go mm. and use computers in there. You can go and borrow electronic media, for example. You can do audio books. So there's a whole range okay, of things so you can do. The, they have sort of moved with the times in that correct, sense. Correct. Absolutely yeah. correct. There are functions in there. I remember going to a celebration for the CWA 100th anniversary. Mm. That was held at the library. There are okay. author talks, a whole range of things, yes. and meetings at the library as well. And so one of the things from this review, and we haven't seen the review yet, we've just had some interviews with the people doing the review, mm. but one of the things is, is the library maybe better utilised as a meeting space? Mm. And we got some money for the Wellington Library about six months ago for an outdoor meeting space. So if you go to Wellington Library, you've got what looks like kind of a traditional library, right. but then out the side door is a beautiful little meeting space. So if you just want to sit down and have a talk to someone mm. and you don't want to go and sit in a coffee, a cafe because you don't want to buy a coffee or you might want other people hearing your conversation, you can just go to the library and sit outside of this beautiful, nice, quiet space and you can read if you want or you can yeah, have a chat to someone. Okay. Yeah. So maybe libraries would be better utilised for a meeting space mm. or maybe libraries are great spaces to go and have a quiet space somewhere mm. you can think or meditate or whatever, but a whole range of different options there, mm. but we don't really see that the library of the future is 
only going to be used to have lots of books in there. Mm. You're going to borrow those books mm. and that's its only objective or only purpose in life. It will continue to change mm. as everything that we have changes Absolutely. around us. Well, I'll give you an example. When we were overseas, uh, we went to Birmingham in uh, over there in the UK and it's actually up Birmingham as being uh, one of those sort of tourist attraction places. A library is a tourist attraction. And we started to go through a lot of the, the, the towns in the places through the UK, and we found that libraries were set up as actually tourist attractions. I thought it was rather interesting. Now, the reason I raise that point is because they, they sort of moved on from simply being just a place to go and borrow a book. And so, therefore, they tried to think, okay, how can we link some part of our history in to the libraries themselves. And so a lot of them, and I suppose the UK, they've got a bit of advantage over us. There's quite a long history with literature in the UK. And so any connection with some of the great authors, the UK authors, they would have these special sections set up in their libraries for them. Yeah. So therefore they became part of the, the, the history of the land. You go to the library to, to, to experience this history. Now, I'm not saying we can do it here, but there may be an opportunity there. I'm just throwing that out there. And that's, um, that's you know, all these Evolution. Things, yeah, that's what all these things are thrown around. Mm. And the, the organisation doing the library review, I'm sure, will look at all of those things and mm. reshape the library of the future. So, again, it's one of those things. You don't want to stand still. You don't mm. want to say it's all okay. It doesn't mean you're going to throw out whatever you've got now. You might find that what you've got is exactly what you need right now, but mm. you need to look at these things. And again, businesses make the mistake all the time of saying, well, we're not going to look at it because it's all working fantastically, mm. but you should be constantly reviewing. And if the review says it's great, don't touch it, that's fine. You mm. leave that and you do another review in a few years' time, mm. but you, you never want to hear the answer. We do that because we've always done that. Oh, we borrow books or people borrow books in the library because that's what we've always done. Yes. Libraries have been the same for 100 years. Why would you change a library? Well, the world's moved on, so you need to make sure we move with it. You know, one of the very first books I ever read was by a guy by the name of Tom Peters, and the name of the book was called If It Ain't Broke, Break It. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It was very much along those sort of lines. But anyway, we'll wait and see and see how it all comes out. That's a nice little one here, Matt. Uh, during the week... Um, you managed to get up there to one of our um, wonderful sporting setups and to be engaged in a sports day event, Variety Activate Inclusion Day. It's a, a sports day. Now, these are for um, some of our wonderful kids in the community who, um, well, sort of fall under some a special needs category, really, within the schooling system we refer to them as. And they do that. And, and that's a, a way of describing kids who, they're beautiful kids, but they have some special needs that we need to address and work through. Now, they have a special inclusive day up there at uh, up there at Sports World. So how did it all go? Actually, fantastic. And I agree with you that one of the things that I find whenever I do anything with some kids with some special needs or some mm. different needs, you get pretty uplifted. Oh, they just, they're just the most gorgeous kids. Well, they're Absolutely. excited. They get excited yeah. to see me, yes. which is not always the case when I walk into a room full of people of any age. <laughs> so they want to come and talk to me. They, they're always very forthcoming in, in their yes. opinions and thoughts and ideas. But I think this particular day, it was actually really well run. So there was a bit of AFL, a bit of tennis, okay. some netball, yeah. some virtual gaming. Yes. So I went in and, and spent some time around the tennis and the AFL people. Brilliant. And when I say tennis, it wasn't really sitting back over a net and having a, a good hard So were you umpiring there sort of thing? No, I got in and played love. with them, but it was, uh, it was just balancing a tennis ball on a racket oh, and, okay, and yes. bouncing it on the ground and just a few different things Lovely. there. But again, the kids were just so excited to be mm. there, so excited to be 
engaged. And again, the organisers there just mm. were absolutely beautiful with the kids. So I, I really enjoy it. And the kids want to come over and give you a hug and they want to talk yeah. to you about all sorts, all manner of things. Yes. They always want to know how much your car's worth or how much do you get paid or, 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 or do you live in a mansion? And how that's much right. You pay yeah, that you're, you're the mayor. You must have that great big house on the hill, do you? Is that that's yours? Right, yeah. <laughs> all that sort of thing. But that's, that's fine. I mean, I don't yeah. have a problem with any of that. And I, I know I've been to award ceremonies for some kids that have got mm. some special needs as well. And it's the same sort of thing where every kid that gets that award is just so excited. You think mm. they've just won an Oscar or Olympic gold medal and you can't help but walk out of the place oh, yes. with a smile on your face and go, wow, that was really exciting. Those That's kids right. are just excited to be alive, to be doing mm. the things they're doing. So, no, it was well organised up there at Sports World. I'm not sure that Greg King loves the idea that people are playing other sports on his indoor cricket <laughs> courts. He loves his indoor cricket. But, yeah, we we're playing indoor, we we're playing tennis and, and AFL on some of those yeah, indoor yes. cricket courts there. But it, it was well organised. Lots of kids there. Lots of different schools were yeah, there. Yeah, oh, terrific. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's actually interesting hearing about some of the kids talk about it when they were talking about this is happening in mainstream mm. and this is happening in, in our group. And so mm. they're quite aware of the situation and yeah. they're quite happy is, and comfortable is, is, is with that. Is this run by a, a school-based operation or is it a – who runs it? No, it's actually run by a, a national body. I spoke to the okay. main woman who was organising it and there's something like 70 of these she runs across the nation. Oh, wow. So she trips know. all over the nation. I Brilliant. think now it finally sounds like they've got some people running these in other states because she said there are times she might fly to WA – run three or four for a few days and then fly mm. back over to Sydney where she's based. But she was getting around, I think she'd been to Broken Hill the day before. She was in Dubbo. The next day I think she was in Orange. So oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, getting around. But It's, it's like it's, the Leyland brothers. She's getting everywhere. <laughs> I think so. But I, I think the idea is that they run it and organise it. But then, of course, there are local people. So there were mm. local sports people who were there helping out. And then obviously the local teachers came along mm. with those various schools. And I got a photo with the group there and they Beautiful. were pretty excited to have a photo with the mayor. Yeah. So that's Fantastic. I'm Absolutely. sure they'll, they'll tell their parents, you know, go and look at this photo here. So, you know, it was quite an uplifting day. And I, I don't know how many they do during the year. Mm. I get the feeling it's only one of this particular day. Okay. But I think part of it also is giving the teachers and the schools and the local people some of the skills and some of the programs to then mm. run some of those separately without yeah. needing the, the national coordinator to come along yeah. and do those as well. But oh, What yeah, a wonderful good idea. Fun day. Absolutely. That's, uh, again, I must have been watching a lot of news this week because this all sort of correlates up in regards to our next point of discussion. Homelessness in Dubbo. Um, homelessness across the board is rising. Uh, I heard a figure there the other day, I think in Queensland, I think homelessness is up 20-odd percent. Uh, South Australia is the same type of scenario. Homelessness used to obviously be something that was associated within the major cities, but we all know homelessness is everywhere, and Dubbo has its own homeless population. Um, again, is, is there something here that Dubbo Regional Council can do to assist in this front? Is there something we can do to assist the community groups who are helping the homeless? Like, What can the Dubbo Regional Council do? One of the things that I'm sometimes criticised for is being quite clear on what things Dubbo Regional Council is responsible for mm. and also what things we can actually take action on. And to give you some extreme examples, I remember several years ago, someone rang me who was about to go overseas and he was quite disappointed about the exchange rate between Australia and the US right. and wanted to know what I could do about what that. What you could do about it. Exactly. Oh, you're, and a very, <laughs> you're a very talented man, mate. Obviously, <laughs> he, he found out the fact your natural talent could do something about this. Apparently. Uh, what did you call the RBA or what did you do? 
Well, I, I couldn't work out. Julie Gillard was Prime Minister at the time. I couldn't work out whether to call the Put Reserve Bank Governor. Have a quick chat. That's right, or Julie. And just, <laughs> look, this gentleman from Dubbo, very important, he, he's not happy with the exchange rate. Can you just fix it up before he goes overseas? <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> and, and the thing is that I had to explain to him that I didn't have the power, but he was mm. a bit annoyed and frustrated that I wouldn't even try and help him. Mm. And I, I don't want to lead people up the garden path. Mm. If there's something council's responsible for, something council can do, I'll go and have the discussion and give them a decision about where council can be involved. Mm. But if it's something that's outside council's realm of responsibility, A, it's a bit silly for me to really make any promises about it because I don't control it. But yes. B, it's really wasting council's time for something that they just don't control. Mm. And so when I hear things about hospital, policing, the court system, sentencing in the court system, or the exchange rate, <laughs> or income tax, or mm. superannuation, all these various things that council's not responsible for, I try to be quite clear, but some people mm. say, oh, you're just being lazy, you're not going in and, and mm. fighting for that, you should be fighting for that for us. But there are some that are slightly grey area. Mm. Now, homelessness is one of those where we don't control the Department of Housing, that's a state government yep. body. We don't provide social housing for any residents in Dubbo. We just simply don't have the budget for that. Yep. The state government has the budget for that. So it might be easy for us to say, well, we don't control housing. We don't control social housing. How can we have an influence on homelessness? Yes, it's an issue in our community, but so is the exchange rate not being good enough and a problem in our community. Yes, yes. But in this particular scenario, one of the things that we sometimes can do and sometimes help out is bring different organisations together. Okay. So we actually had a meeting yep. this week where we did exactly that, where Excellent. we recognised that homelessness is a problem exactly, as you've said. Yeah. We recognise that it is impacting our residents, it's impacting the people who are homeless, but it also can be impacting other people who might be in some way, shape or form influenced by people. So if there's people sleeping down the main street, for example, then maybe businesses are impacted by the fact that people don't want to go to that shop where someone might be sleeping at the front mm. of their shop. So it does have an impact on other residents as well. Mm. So that's all a bit of an issue. So mm. we brought together some government departments, some private providers of emergency housing. Okay forms of social housing, a whole range of different things there. Yeah. And really, the focus was, we need to get all of you talking more. Do, do these guys normally get together to chat? Is this like one of the first well, times it's actually happened? This is the problem. Sometimes I've seen organisations, government departments, really in their silos yeah. and not really talking at the level that they should. Yeah. And so sometimes if we can be a conduit and help people come along and just have a talk, then I think we can actually achieve something. And many years mm. ago, there was actually an interagency. When Troy Grant was the local member, and Troy and I spoke about a range of things. And so we created an interagency, which he really created because there were state government departments, but I actually chaired it. Mm. And really the purpose of that was to get these various government departments to talk to each other because they just weren't talking. Right? So my job was wow. really just to sit there and make sure there were discussions It's almost like it's assumed they do, but then you stop and you think, okay, well, where do they do it and when do they do it? And reality is they don't. And it may well be that you're exactly right, that they don't do it even though they might sit five metres away from each other, yeah, but they yeah. may not actually have those discussions. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things is that I do see people living rough from time to time. And in fact, one area that I ride my bike regularly around Tracker Riley, mm. there's a little camp down beside Tracker Riley there. And mm. I actually said to someone who deals with homeless people there that I'm going to ride past one morning, and just, I'm going to duck in and mm. say hello and just really find out how they ended up in this situation. I'm interested mm. in the background of that. Mm. The advice I was given was don't. Yeah, okay. Don't do it by yourself, don't do it in that, you, you in your Lycra, which maybe doesn't look that attractive to people, but, <laughs> but turning up yeah, in your yeah. Lycra, 
you may not get a good reaction yeah, from okay. the people there. So for your own safety, don't not saying that they're all rabbit animals. No, and, no. You know, sometimes people just fall on hard times. Yeah. But one of the things from the meeting that we had during the week was that I did see that some of these people actually do go out in small groups mm. and go out and actually just talk to some of these people they know are homeless, maybe go out and do an inspection early in the morning, 7 a.m. They might go mm. for a walk around, knock on car doors, people sleeping in cars, go down mm. underneath bridges, etc. Mm. So I did make the offer that I'd love to go along for a walk with them yep. one morning just Again, I want to hear some of the stories. Yeah, of the yeah. I want to know how they ended up in these situations. Absolutely. Are, are they local people in Dubbo who have found themselves in hard times and now homeless, or have they come from other areas? And I suppose yeah, there's a couple of questions here. Uh, first of all, do we have any idea as to what our homeless population looks like here in town? Have, have we got numbers? Have we got demographics or anything like that? Well, one of the numbers that was thrown around in the meeting during the week was 11. And there'd been an inspection done one morning, and they found 11 people living very right. rough, under bridges, in That's cars, etc. That's it, et just so it'd be more. Well, and this is the thing, I think it is a lot more than that. Yeah. They went in some of the popular areas, they went for a walk around some of those popular areas, but there are people sleeping in all range of different places now. Mm. And cars, one of the advantages of sleeping in a car is that you can move that car. Mm. So you don't have to mm. necessarily park under a bridge, you've got something over your head to protect you from the rain. Yep. Not ideal, obviously, but you've got something there, so you can move around a bit. So I, mm. I suspect the number is a lot higher than that. Yep. But... One of the things I did ask during that particular meeting was, what is the definition of homeless? So mm. if I is haven't got... surfing That's right. Yeah. That was exactly what I said. If I haven't got a, a home to go to, a roof over my head, and I go and sleep on Mark Barnes's couch, mm. am I... Which you're always welcome homeless? to, by the way. Oh, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for all listeners. So <laughs> am I actually homeless? Yes. Or is that not defined as homeless? Is that maybe another level of not quite having a home, but at mm. least you've got a roof over your head. So there's all mm. these different definitions of that. Yeah. But again, there is no doubt about it, the homeless population is an issue. And there are also some discussions during that meeting about where drugs might fit into these problems mm. as well. Mm. And I know I've talked to people previously, not in this last round of, of homeless discussions we've had, but in previous years, I've gone down and just talked to some of these people with some other people in tow. Mm. And you don't, well, some of them, you don't get a lot of sense out of. Mm. And what, it says to me is that either they've got some severe drug issues or they've got some severe mental health issues. Mm. Either way, mm. you either want to help them from a mental health perspective or you might want to help them get off drugs because you and I might have a rational conversation about where you might live and how you might live and how you might afford to do all that. But one of the things that struck me in some of these conversations I've had previously is sometimes they're not rational conversations. Mm. So you can't apply your own rational thought process yes, yes. to someone that isn't thinking yeah. rationally. Yeah. And it may well be that some people make the decision to buy drugs, for example, rather than pay rent mm. and then get evicted from where they actually had somewhere to live. Mm. But they don't see that maybe buying drugs wasn't the best option because, again, they're not thinking clearly, mm. again, either from a drug problem or a mental health issue problem. Mm. So there are these decisions that people Absolutely. make sometimes that yeah. aren't rational, sensible decisions. But does that mean we forget about them or does that mean we need to reach out and help them even further. Yes. And you've got organisations, St Vincent de Paul, for example, were in that meeting, and okay. they do a wonderful job where they sometimes just provide some emergency accommodation. So they talked about one example where a lady turned up, she had several kids in tow, mm. nowhere to live. Now, mm. often there's domestic violence involved in that. They didn't go into the details of that mm. particular one. But St Vincent de Paul said, we just got a motel for them and said, you've got four nights there in a motel. You can have a shower, you can have a bed to sleep in, 
And it was just like this weight had been lifted from this woman's shoulders. Mm. And you can imagine having responsibility of kids on oh, top absolutely. of that. Absolutely. It'd be horrendous. So yeah. straight away, but that was only for four days. Yes. There need to be longer term solutions there. Yeah. We will work in with organisations. We'll try and do what we can to help. Mm. But we just don't have the budget. We do not have the money no. to go and provide the actual housing for people. I suppose the last question on this would be, from the meeting, was anything tangible gained in the sense, did they come up with any ideas or resolutions or, or just maybe an opportunity just to get together to talk again to create those networks or what What was the outcome? So funnily enough, that's, I'm a bit of a, a, a person that says at the end of a meeting, what's our action from this? Yes, where, yes, what's where the action plan? I, yeah. I want to I know what we've resolved. We've talked about all these terrible things yes, and we've all yes. identified these problems and we've all gone harumph, harumph. Yes. But what's the action? And funnily enough, one of the actions was to have another meeting in a month's time. <laughs> that's, yes, and yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> went, well, that's not really good enough. Mm, mm. Again, I'm council, so I can't really tell you as a government department mm. what to do, but can you try and do a bit more than that? Yeah, I don't yeah. really want to have another meeting in a month's time to talk about... Do we have a bit of a plan we put in place between, <laughs> yeah. we can then talk about it at the next meeting? And, so, yeah. so there wasn't really anything that okay. I could tell you was categorical, definitive, this is what's going to happen to fix this problem. Yeah. Gathering some data, I'm a big fan of having the data to be able to make decisions around that data, so gathering some more of that data, which is yeah. kind of where I, I like to see them actually going out and talking to people and finding out some of that information. Mm. But at least we've got people thinking about it. We've got government departments looking at it. But at this stage, I can't tell you a definitive plan sure, they've got sure. to solve these problems. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, at least we've got another meeting out of it, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> Okay, this one, uh, Matt, in regards to, we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, the forthcoming budget. Um, now, this is uh, obviously within business, within uh, home operations. We all have our budgets that we work towards and we have to sort of adjust them occasionally. And we don't normally always have about $200 million to sort of to set aside to make a decision on regards to our budget, but that's Dubbo Regional Council situation right now. During the week, there was uh, another workshop uh, in regards to getting the budget finalised. Now, I remember you explained to me how this stuff works. And I think it's great that you're sort of almost fine-tuning it down. So by the time the budget does come around, it's been well thought through. Everyone's workshopped ideas. How did the current workshop meeting go? It was really good. And one of the bits of feedback we gave to the staff after the first workshop, we've had a couple already, mm. was the way the figures are presented is probably a local government way. So okay, you've got this, this is interesting, yes. Yeah, you've got staff in there that have been in local government for a number of years and have trained in, they still have accounting degrees, the same mm. as any accountant would have, but they've specialised or focused on the way they do it in local government. And it's just, it's little things. Sorry. When I see a number in brackets, yes. I immediately assume that's a negative. Yes. But it doesn't seem to work that way in local government oh, for some strange reason. <laughs> well... I'm not always convinced, and this is part of the feedback we've given to our staff to say, okay. and you've got a few people on our council that have got good financial backgrounds, good accounting backgrounds, mm. and so and, and even good business people there that are used to looking at figures. And so the feedback really was, we really need to see the figures the way you would see them in a business sense, mm. even mm. though the council scenario, and you've still got to comply mm. to the Local Government Act, but the council scenario I'd always seems to be some sort of conform sort of way of looking oh, at it for an there, accountant, wouldn't it? No, no, there, I, there is, but it yeah. just seems like local government does things in a slightly different <laughs> yes, way. Okay. And, and just to yes. give you a simple example, this applies to some of our business units. Right. And one of the things in a business unit, many years ago, some council group said to the staff, well, from business unit A, mm. we'd like to see a return to council each year as in a dividend to council, so to the residents, 
of $500,000. We think that business should return $500,000. And we were looking through the figures there at the first workshop and we went, gee, this business has been run well because each year it's returning to the residents exactly $500,000. Right? Wow, that. yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. And then when you drill down a bit further, what turns out is that they deliver the $500,000 regardless of the profitability of that business because councillors at one stage said they want to see $500,000 return. Oh, is that right? So okay. then the money sitting in the bank, it might be taken out or added in to give a $500,000 return. So it satisfied the criteria from the councillors. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's not really the way a normal business would go. No, It'd be lovely no. to be able to walk into any business and say, oh, well, I need this yeah. exact return every year. We all understand that business changes. So mm. when we say, and, and again, I'm sure this group meant previously, mm. I want to see a return of $500,000. I'm sure that was meant as a target. If it's a bit under or a bit over, that's okay. But mm. if it's $100,000 instead of $500,000, then well, we what are we doing sure. wrong? Yeah, or yeah. if it's a million instead of $500,000, well, great. Can we yeah. keep doing that? So there's just little things like that mm, that okay. just seem a little bit different to the outside world. One of the things that we certainly saw in this latest workshop was that the figures were presented in a much better way that would be more like a business would see those figures. Mm. And our logic from a council perspective is the council sitting around the table, our logic really was, well, if we need to be able to see them in a way that we understand from a business or an accounting mm. perspective, it's probably the same for the community. The community needs to be able to see these figures in a similar fashion yep. for it to make sense to them because there's not everyone out there in the community that's a local government expert. Yep. So that's certainly getting better, the okay. refinement of those figures, looking at those figures, and then the next workshop, we've got another couple of workshops to go before we get to the 27th of April, which is when the draft budget will go through council and be endorsed to be put on public display. And that's when we hope the community sees that yep. and it makes sense to them in the way they read the figures. And then they can give us feedback. That, what are you yep. spending this much money on this for? Spend it over here. Or you're not spending enough money on this particular part of council. Great. Where do we take it from? We want to be able to make it easy for people to understand yep. and then give us feedback based on that. We don't want to confuse people. No, no, that's right. And make it hard. And again, our staff aren't deliberately trying to confuse people. Our Just staff, the way things being done, I That's right. Our staff yeah. are doing it in a way that makes sense. If they went to yeah. any other council and talked to the accounting department there, it would all make perfect sense mm. to them. But mm. we want it to make sense. So it's a bit of a challenge to our staff okay. to make it make sense yeah. to average Joe Blow, average punter, or average councillor for that matter. So are, are we at the point now where the different departments are putting in their, their figures? You're talking about the figures there. Are, are they putting forward now, this is how much we need this year to run our department? It's really still at a very high level at this stage. Okay. So we're really talking about top line figures for different departments, different areas. So it's and broad sort of figures still. It's not really specific. That's right. And okay. we've got two more workshops to go where we then we'll start to drill down. And one of them will be a, a really long workshop, I would imagine. Hmm. Most of them so far have been only a couple of hours at most. But I'm imagining this will be that one where we really drill down. We really get specific into not quite line by line mm. through a department, through an area, but you're getting down to smaller numbers. At this stage, the numbers we've been talking about have been typically in the millions or tens of millions, yep. but we will drill down and get to the hundreds of thousands, even tens of thousands sure. of dollars to see where that, that money is best spent. Okay. And when it does get out to the point, and we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, yeah. when it goes out on public exhibition, but I really do ask the community, have a look at it, pour over the figures as much as you possibly can, but when you say you need to spend more money on X, Make sure you say and take it from why, yes. because we can't make money Solution magically appear. based outcomes, isn't it? Exactly right. Yes. Because sure, that'd be great. Spend more money on everything. That's great, but you can't do that because mm. then you start to run at a negative or a highly negative budget. And we've mm. seen previous councils do that, where they have run continually at negative, which is great for a couple of years. Mm. 
But you can't do that forever. You do get to the bottom of the, the right. cash bowl yes, eventually yes, at some yes. stage. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to leave council in a worse financial position for the next group of councillors that come along. We want to put in a better financial position, but we need to balance all those figures. Oh, sounds good. Ah, so tell me, the chain for golf day. I didn't realise you were a golfer. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> 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 oh, very good. So there you go. So did you work out which end of the stick to hold or how'd you go? I used to play a bit when I was younger. Did you now? Yeah. Okay. And, and right. What, putt-putt golf? Or? <laughs> no, no. I used to go there. I actually made a trolley and a little trailer for my push bike right? because I could never get mum or dad to take me out to the golf course. Yeah. So I used to ride my BMX Oh, you were bike. a genuine player then? Well, I mean, we're talking about once every couple of weeks, but... <laughs> But I used to have this little trolley that I'd tie to the back of my bike and yes. tow my, I probably had three irons in my set of golf clubs, so right, it wasn't yes, extensive, yes, yes. and tow this thing out to the golf course because really? it was the only way I could play. Yeah, yeah. And again, I suppose 20 or 30 years ago, I used to try and get involved in some of the, the mm. twilight golf tournaments, so you might play once a week over summer, for example. Yep. But no, certainly not serious. It was always good to have enough basic skills of golf so that when you went to conferences yes. you could go and play in the golf yes. days because you'd meet interesting people there Absolutely. and have some yes, fascinating yes. conversations there. So anyway, the golf day, I think the Debo Chamber of Commerce does a great job. Yes. I think the respect they have in the community is very high. I think of chambers mm. that I've seen at various communities, various mm. other cities around the state and around the nation. I think our chamber would be held up there, in my opinion, mm. at a very high level and a huge amount of respect there. So when they said, Chamber Golf Day, would you like to put a council team in? I said, sure. Yep. We'll work out the details afterwards. <laughs> so our esteemed representatives were myself yes. and Councillor Damien Mahan oh, and yes, Councillor yeah. Shibley Shattery. Yes. So we represented council, if you can call it that. Yeah, that's an that's interesting wanted, threesome there of, of multi-talented uh, <laughs> sports people, I suggest. We yeah. wanted Councillor Matt Wright to be on our team as well, but he had a team for his own no, business. He was probably so. playing in the America's Cup or something, wasn't <laughs> he? <laughs> Maybe, something like that. <laughs> but we went along, and the golf was a great time to mm. spoil a good walk, potentially. Yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it's a good absolutely. chance just to talk, and I do enjoy that part of golf where you're just going along talking to other people. It's good to talk to yeah, other yeah. councillors. It's a really well-organised day. Lots of prizes given out in the day that we achieved or we uh, received none of, which is fine. I did expect <laughs> forming Ambrose, which is always good fun. So you're not all yep. trying to play every single shot on every single hole. But I, again, it's one of those things. I just like to see councillors involved in the community in general. Yeah. And whether it be at Park Run, whether it be at a golf day, whether it be at various events, functions, yep. it's great to see councillors out in the community. And well, I think the, the people absolutely. out there really appreciated seeing, well, with Matt Wright, there were four councillors out yeah. there. I think they really appreciated seeing four councillors out there just being involved, and I think that's it, being yeah. involved in the community. That's one well, of the it's, really... It's, it's, it's networking, but it's actually like social networking. It's social yeah. networking, it's but so it's important. also representing council, not yeah. for the skill on the golf course, but yeah. representing council out there in the community. So yeah. I think that was a really People get good a thing. chance to talk to you, you get a chance to talk to the people. It's, it's fantastic. Exactly right. Well, Matt, it's that time of the week. It's time for the limerick. What have you got for us this week, Matt? What are now, we looking for? I don't want to blow my own trumpet too much here. Okay. What are we but doing? I was on fire on when fire? I was in Limerick this week. Oh, watch out. And I couldn't decide on which Limerick to use. So I'm going to do two Limericks We're this week. We're doing two, folks. We've got <laughs> now, two going. Boy. Don't get carried away. Oh, don't get used to I just to get out the, the leather chair and settle in for this one there, <laughs> if that's right. the case. It's going to go back to one next week, I'm sure. But right, I just I right. couldn't decide. Now, of course, we have talked about... April 1st, and yes. what happened on April 1st. So oh, I thought yes. that would be a still good thing. still waiting for that DNA testing. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I thought that would be a good thing to do the Limerick on. So I'll give you two. 
my first one. You can decide. You can tell me which one. Oh, okay. So, so I can judge you like an English right. teacher now. Like an English oh, teacher. here we you go. Can judge right. me and here tell we go. Which one you like best? On April 1st, a clever young bloke devised a grand plan to provoke a DNA ruse for litter's abuse. Had the whole town believe twas no joke. That's number one. Number Very good. Two, on April 1st, a joke did unfold. A DNA database with all residents enrolled to fight off the trash in a scientific dash. But actually, the mayor wasn't quite that bold. <laughs> You don't have to give me the oh, no, no, I've got a little vote here for you. Um, a very good friend of mine I used to work with, a bloke by the name of Paul Fay. Remember Paul Fay? I know Paul Fay, yeah. oh, Poppy Fay. Now, in moments like this, Poppy would always come along and say, how do I go, Pop? How was that? He'd say, Mark, I'll give you a three. And he'd I'd turn around and I'd say, a three, Pop? Seriously? Like, surely it could be better than that? And I'd say, what's it out of, Pop? What's it out of? And he goes, it doesn't matter. I'll give you a three. <laughs> I'll give you a three, but I've got to go for the second one. The second the one. The second one. I like the second one. I like right. the second one. It was very, very good. Well done. Excellent. Well done. Good. All right, folks. Well, that just about wraps us up, of course, for this week's wonderful edition of the Merrill Memo. Get out there this week. Enjoy the lovely life we have out there. Of course, it's Easter. It's all those wonderful things coming up this week as well. So enjoy the celebrations. Get into those Easter eggs. Until next week, take care. Narrow Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.